Mega Calling, a bi-monthly podcast with sound-rich reports from our correspondents on the continent. African voices reporting on African stories produced by Radio France International. Hello and welcome to episode 21 of the Africa Calling podcast on April 2nd, 2021. I'm Laura Angela Bagnetto. We have a number of stories from our correspondents on the African continent this week, including how Mali is providing solar-powered electricity to the rural areas, a look at the challenges for Malawian banana farmers who are trying to cope with banana bunchy top disease, and in Gambia, fans react to winning the Africa Cup of Nations qualifiers for the first time. And finally, don't forget our special song at the end. Africa Calling In the south-central Sugu region of Mali, less than 50% of the population has access to electricity. In Segu City, the regional capital, half the inhabitants have light in their houses, according to the authorities. But now, private companies are making small solar power plants that are changing living conditions in villages around the city. The region houses one of the country's most ambitious solar power projects that will cover 90% of the regional energy consumption and 5% of the national one. But the project is still not completely operational, despite its importance to the region. Correspondent Issa Umar Togola has more in his report from Segu. It's 5 p.m. in Semembuku, a small village located 15 kilometers from Segu. In a one-acre yard... Baba Gambi, who is in charge of the center, is tightening some screws of a small solar power plant to make it more solid. Installed in 2018, this small solar power plant is providing electricity to many inhabitants of this village. More than 800 residents used to be in the dark by this time of the evening because of the lack of electricity. But now, things are getting better according to Gambi. These solar panels brought changes to our village. It was difficult to charge our phones and watch TV, but now it's better. We can plug in our refrigerators and get cool water. It protects our milk and other things. Mamaduba is the supervisor of the solar power plant meter, the box that shows the amount of electricity used during the month in each house. He is showing the control of the center to some visitors. <laughs> According to Ba, this solar power plant helped them a lot as breeders of livestock. He says many people lost their animals because of cattle rustlers coming during the night. But now, the animals are safe. Since we got public lighting, the loss of animals has stopped. But before, we used to lose our animals during the night. Some were even killing them. You just see the blood in the morning. Women are probably the happiest out of the whole community. With electricity, it is safer to go out at night or visit their neighbors. The women used to do a number of activities by the light of the moon, such as pounding grains with a motor, exhausting and time-consuming work that is dangerous in the dark. But now, the village has one meal that works because of electricity, says Fatmata Yara, and they can even go at night. 
Now that we have the mill and the light, we're comfortable. We're no longer afraid of snakes. Khadijatu Dao says she feels safer, but adds that sometimes other electricity issues make it harder. We don't sleep in the dark with our children anymore. Now the problem is the power cuts, and that happens early. We can't always plug in our refrigerators. Power cuts in the village are one of the downsides to the electricity, and not everyone has electricity either. Villagers are asking local authorities to enlarge the solar panel plant so that all villagers can have access. In order to have a budget for their activities, villagers established a payment system for those who are using meters. It costs 150 CFA francs, or 22 cents per month for a unit of electricity. And everybody with a meter must also pay 500 CFA francs, or 75 cents per month. The money is meant to repair public equipment and finance future projects. And Ba, the supervisor, collects the money. I'm the one that checks the meters and makes the bill for payment, but the problem is that some of our meters don't work, so we decided to give the bill one unit to those whose meters don't work for two months so that they can pay something. In fact, some people use power, but their meter doesn't work. The meter remains on zero while they are using power. Those people have to pay the bill of a unit of electricity according to their agreements. But the payment of the bill also is a problem even if it seems inexpensive. The economic situation is difficult in the village because people only grow food to feed their families. Few people sell, but they don't make a profit because of the low purchasing power in rural Mali. In the city of Segu, the National Energy Company has a regional center managed by Suleiman Koulibaly, the director of the center. He says the region has more renewable energy ambitions. Many of our projects are directed towards renewable energy. The National Agency of Renewable Energies had a project that should have started in 2020, but things got slowed down because of COVID-19. When it is finished, it will provide electricity to 70 villages in 12 different areas, thanks to solar energy. Sigu region is at the turning point after its relative success in bringing power to many villages through solar panels. The region houses one of the most progressive renewable energy projects. It's a 33-megawatt solar photovoltaic plant that is being built on 87 hectares. For Noam Jara, the mayor of Segu, this project is very important for the country, but it's still not operational for many reasons. We had land problems, I mean illegal occupations of the site. We will find a solution to that. We also had a financial problem, so it couldn't start. The project is still faltering, while it carries 5% of Mali's energy consumption.
We signed the Mayor's Agreement for Sub-Saharan Africa in the context of climate change. We also signed an agreement with Expertise France that supports cities that are in Sub-Saharan Africa. We have entrusted the project to the development agency of Segu that acts on our behalf so that we can develop our plan. Back in Mali's capital, Bamako, Clement Berti, the director of the National Agency of Renewable Energy, speaks about the future of the country's supply. We're working on the new plan. From now to 2030, we want 25% of our production to be powered by renewable energy. We're planning to electrify the entire country through solar power. The country is huge, so renewable energy gives that possibility. We can just use small solar power plants everywhere. Currently, the national rate of electrification is 49%, with 29% in the rural areas, according to the director, Berti. He sees renewable energy as an efficient means to provide electricity to more areas, including remote places. Mali has many energetic projects that encounter financial difficulties. With climate change, a shift to renewable energy seems to be a necessity, and many Malians still don't have access to electricity. How long will they need to wait for solar power? Hopefully, more success stories like Segu will be part of Mali's future. Reporting for RFIS Africa Calling, this is Isa Umartugula in Segu. Africa Calling, produced by Radio France International. Banana production in Malawi took a hit over the past few years as banana bunchy top diseased ravaged bananas, one of 11 countries in sub-Saharan Africa affected by the virus. A program to get farmers back on their feet with healthy bananas has helped the industry. Although farmers are crying foul over the current dominance of imported products on the market. Africa Calling's Benson Conchezera reports on the efforts to revamp the banana sector in Malawi and the progress that's been made since the program's inception. Malawi's banana industry has all but died out over the last two decades due to the scourge of banana bunchtop disease caused by banana bunchtop or BBT virus. The disease has caused great devastation, leaving farmers destitute as the crop is regarded as their main source of income. Farmers have been told by the government to uproot their old banana variety and plant a new disease-free crop as the BBT has resulted low production and hurts. In most cases, some bananas have stopped growing altogether due to the virus. The donkey work of infected variety has forced some farmers to stop growing bananas and switch to other crops. Masaoko Maulidi, one of the farmers who resisted uprooting banana in his farm and later changed, explains. In fact, it was hard because we used our money to hire some people to help us as part of labor, of which government did assist us in such practice of approaching the suckers. Uh, the new banana suckers, we thought of using it because the one we, which we are still keeping wasn't doing well. The virus was still entering the suckers, so we decided to agree with the government. Agricultural extension workers 
have witnessed the banana crop wiped out in their district of operation, such as Choro and Mulanji, where previously the banana growing was the mainstay for farmers. In Mulanji alone, the disease affected about 6,000 hectares of land, harming 185,000 farming households. According to the Minister of Agriculture, the disease was first detected in Karabe near 20 years ago and believed to have been imported by smugglers and eventually spread across the country. Harold Katondo, Deputy Agricultural Research Officer at Vumbi Agricultural Research Station in Choro, says that thankfully the farmers are cooperating. They have seen that there are old bananas that have been wiped out by the banana bunch top. So after seeing with their own eyes how devastating the disease is, so they were able to uproot those old bananas and then plant these new varieties that were brought into the country. We take a 60-kilometer drive from Choro District Council to where the farmers are growing their crops. A study by Food and Agriculture Organization shows that Malawi registered a sharp increase in banana production from 93,000 tons in 1998 to 450,000 tons in 2010. Figures by the World Bank shows that Malawi earned over 6.6 billion United States dollars in 2015 from banana sales before production dropped sharply due to banana bunch top virus. Miriam Kumwenda, Chief Agriculture Officer for Choro District, says the revamping drive is making progress with banana suckers, which are disease-free banana seedlings. Sensitizing farmers uh, about this new disease, ways of how they can manage the disease. We embarked on campaigns to destroy the affected banana mats. While we are doing so, we had some support from different projects. These are spearheaded by the government of Malawi. We have ASWAP, SP, and the Kulima project, which are assisting us with the suckers to restore the banana industry. In Ntambanyama village, in Choro, farmers are divided into groups to share the banana suckers. Women of Ntambanyama sing to welcome the development. For now, Malawi is depending on imported bananas from neighboring Tanzania and Mozambique. Speaking on behalf of farmers in Musa village, tradition authority in Sabwe in Choro, McDonald in Togoda says government should reduce the imported banana to pave a way for their markets locally. For most of us, bananas have been our main source of income. And with this disease, we lost almost everything and were left with no other means of surviving. Luckily, with the new crop, we are now growing healthy bananas. The only challenge is that all of the markets we had are now gone. They've been taken up by imported bananas from neighboring countries. This is a big fight for us as local farmers. Malawi is fighting back to improve its banana industry after the banana bunch top virus infestation. In order to preserve Malawi's agricultural heritage, some local banana varieties are being protected, but a good market for farmers needs to be created too. Reporting for RFI Africa Calling, this is Benson Kuncheze in Choro.
Check us out on Twitter, Africa underscore underscore calling. We're at Africa underscore underscore calling. In the Gambia, football fans are frustrated that they can't go to the independent stadium in Banjul to watch the Scorpions, their favorite team, play. Many are also anxious about the selection of players who are not currently playing in football clubs. However, the recent controversies have been forgotten after the country's national team, the Scorpions, secured its first ever Africa Cup of Nations qualification. Sally Jang reports from Banjul. Fans have been barred from Gambia Stadium to watch the Scorpions, the national team. Since November 2019, when the Gambia took on the Congo, the Confederation of African Football CAF has insisted that matches be played without spectators in order to prevent the spread of COVID-19 pandemic. Not only fans are frustrated over coronavirus bans, others are upset that players not tied to professional football clubs are picked for the national team instead of younger players who are playing better. Pamodo the Scorpions captain, has represented the country for over 15 years but has not been connected to a club for a few months now. He told Africa Calling that the criticisms almost forced him to excuse himself from the national team. Some uh, months back, uh, I already contacted uh, the coach and team manager. I told them that uh, if I don't have a club until uh, up to the match, uh, I'm not going to come, you know. But uh, they told me that uh, we need you as a leader. You cannot miss this game. You have to be there, you know, even if you don't play, but you have to come, you know, because we believe in your leadership and we need that leadership uh, to the camp, you know. So I'm very proud and uh, very happy to be part of this uh, group too. Fans celebrated on the streets of Banjul after the Scorpions' victory and first ever African Cup of Nations qualifications, temporarily forgetting the frustration of being barred from the stadium and COVID-19 restrictions. Fan Habib Fal says he's excited they have finally qualified. So many players come and go, but finally the Gambia has qualified for an AFCON tournament. As you can see, the whole country is in jubilant mood. We are excited. I can't express the feeling I'm having. God bless the Gambia. While Lamin says the wait is over and happy days are coming. Because of when you talk eight decades. We've waited for this qualification for so many decades and now God has made it possible for our generation. We are thankful to God for making it possible. We're so very proud of the history we have made. We are proud of the Gambians. And Fatou Boyan says she was sad she wasn't at the stadium to watch the match. As a football fan, I feel bad. As a football fan, I really felt bad because we always like to watch the match at the stadium to support the boys. Watching football on TV isn't the same as being at the stadium. The love, support and enthusiasm for a country that has never qualified for the continental soapies has been massive, like this song dedicated to the Scorpions. The small West African nation will now taste the feeling of playing in the continental tournament scheduled to take place in Cameroon 2022. Bakari Baji, Gambia Sports Minister, says the government is ready to motivate the team at all costs. 
football has been getting all the resources that they need in the recent times. There has not been any budget that we cut that comes from GFF. Chartering of flight has never been happening in this country. It's happening now. Putting them in a hotel like this was not happening before. They're having now. Paying them their allowances on the day they arrive from their uh, uh, base in Europe is happening now. It has never happened. So there is a lot of investment that has been done in football. People look at the budget and sometimes they criticize the budget, but I, budgets are not what you see. There are a lot, a lot of things that goes under the budget. So if you read the budget and you, and you say, oh, six million for foot, uh, sports development, and you think that's all what is there, no. We are spending almost 22 million for this, this game alone. Although the government have been criticized in the past for the scant funding allocated to the youth and sport ministry in the national budget, despite the minister's affirmation that the government will support the national teams, Lamin Kababajo, president of the Gambia Football Federation, says financial constraints might be their biggest challenge for going to Cameroon 2022. Uh, we appreciate the, the contribution the government is making, uh, but don't we stand in uh, it's still less than... Uh, what we expect. Uh, they, they, they also contributed for sure, but I think uh, we, uh, the Federation really still soldering the bulk of the responsibility financially and logistically and everything else. And then uh, what they are doing now is complementing what GFF is doing. So we want it to be the other way around when the government will take the lead and GFF will complement what they are doing. Football and sports in general has not been the same for fans in the Gambia but will playing matches without people cheering the team on really make a difference? Here is Gambia's coach, Tom Sanfait. We want, hopefully, hopefully we can kick out COVID soon and hopefully we can get the fans back in the stadium because celebrating the goals, celebrating the victories together with the fans is the most beautiful. And I have to say, it was even one of my motivations to come to Gambia because in 2010 I played here with uh, Namibia and full crowd and that time I said I want to coach Gambia in the future because these fans are the best in the world, fantastic atmosphere. The Gambia waited for over 60 years to get to the African Cup of Nations. The country supports its neighbor Senegal in the tournament but as you can hear qualifying for the African Cup of Nations has turned the streets into a party ground. Reporting for RFI's Africa calling from Banjo, the Gambia this is Saligen. Find us on your favorite podcast platform app, including iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. We're almost at the end of our program, but we have music maven Alison Hurd in the studio. Hi, Alison. What song do you have for us? Hi, Laurangela. Let's head off to Mali to listen to the blues rock band Songe Blues. These are four young musicians and singers from Timbuktu. They're now based in Bamako, full of talent, very, very enthusiastic. Their recently released new album is called, wait for it, Optimism. Uh, it was recorded in the US. There are loads of upbeat tracks on there. They're mostly sung in their native Songe language. But I've chosen one in English. It's called Worry. It's very rock and roll, as you'll hear. And there's a great video to go with the song. You can see the guys doing their guitar riffs on the rooftops of Bamako. It's a sort of Malian nod, I think, to the famous U2 song, Where the Streets Have No Name. So do check that out online. It's really worth it. Thanks for listening to episode 21 of Africa Calling. We'll leave you with the fabulous sounds of Songay Blues. I'm Laura Angela Bagnetto. This episode was edited and recorded by Erwan Rome and Stefan Defossé. Goodbye for now. Don't worry. 
You're gonna be happy. Keep working today. That smile will come one day. Don't worry. You're gonna be happy. Keep fighting today. That smile will come one day. Nothing's come for free. When you get it free, you will lose it freely. So you better know. Work hard is the best way. Muffins come for free when you get it free, you lose it freely. So you better know, work hard is the best way. Let your hope come from fight and go through your darkness, you'll find your light.